I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 27. Please find this psalm because the Lord's going to use it to continue this process of awakening our souls. Uh, life just happens and it threatens the prosperity of our soul. And so the Lord is faithful to help us to just feel renewed, refreshed, uh, even awakened. And I think that's what's happening as we worship together, as we go into God's word and then respond at the invitation to what he's saying to us. So it's not just something we hear, but we're looking to apply this. So Psalm 27, I'll read from the New Living Translation. And I want you to follow with me and let it challenge your heart. Psalm 27, starting verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God, of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath, they threaten me with violence. Yet, I am confident I will see the goodness of the Lord while I'm here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. It's a good word, isn't it? Amen. Let's praise him for his word to us. How many of you can say that you have at least one problem? Let me see your hand. How many of you feel like you're sitting by someone who has at least one problem? How many of you feel like you're sitting next to your problem? David writes this psalm, and I want you to know that he, he has problems. He is king with a kingdom that has challenges. Just one would be the Philistines, that border group that would run in and attack. And David would fight, and he would defeat the Philistines, and they would run away. They would regroup, attack again. David would confront. He would overcome. They would run away. They would attack again. That was just one 
aspect of challenge within administrating the kingdom of Israel. Not to mention what was happening in his home. David had complex issues going on within his home. His own son raped his daughter. His son led a rebellion against him. Now what kind of emotions are going on in your life when your your family is that messed up? What are you waking up to every day? What are the thoughts that keep you awake through the night when you're trying to navigate that situation? So these are just some of the challenges that David has. And yet when we read through Psalm 27, there's poise and a right perspective. There's this confidence that he is going to see the Lord's goodness. There is this seeking after God with passion and perspective. And I'm, I'm going, how, how does he have that? And I find that the key verse is the answer. It's verse 4. So if you look at that with me, I'm going to read it to you now in the NIV. Here's what it says. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. What do we learn from this verse? Is it saying that the way David responded to his problems was to say, I just need to live in the church. I need to escape and just stay in the temple day and night. That is not what he's saying. He's saying that the answer, the key, is the presence of the Lord. The presence of God is what allowed him to have such perspective. Now, when I say the presence of God, let me distinguish between the two kinds of presence. There's the omnipresence of God, that God is everywhere all the time. Then there is the special presence of God, the manifest presence. That's that, that very special time where God makes himself real to you in the way you need it most that then supplies you with the strength that you didn't have, that supplies you with the perspective that's renewed, that gives you a new motivation that's coming from hope that is resting in him. That is the result of the special presence of God helping you so that you can say as David, the Lord is my light and he is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So it's the special presence. Now, Let's look at what happened as he experienced the special presence of God. He sized up his situation like this. Enemies, plural, are attacking me. Foes are rising up against me. Notice the proportions. Many are coming against me. Yet he says, the Lord, he is my light and my salvation. So he's not seeing a change in circumstance. He's just seeing a God that's greater than his current reality. He is seeing a God who is greater than enemies. He was, the word says, surrounded by war. And yet God was giving him a peace where he could say, I don't fear. That's a result of God's special presence in your life. He says, he hides me in the midst of the storm. He doesn't keep the storm from hitting he just hides me in the midst of it David's a realist he's not saying I'm going to run into the church and act like I have no problems he's saying the special presence of God is a protective presence in the midst of the storm he says he conceals me 
One version says he conceals me in his tent. Anytime you see the word tent in the Old Testament, it is speaking to the tent of meeting where God's special presence came. It was a thick, like there was a weight of the glory of God in that place. So that's what David's referring to, that manifest glory of God that when you're experiencing the dark night of the soul and you seek God, you go after God, the special presence of the Lord draws you in and gives you a sense of assurance. Can you say amen? He says, he will place my feet on a rock. David wrote over and over again about the rock and about stability and gaining footing. And here he says, you will place my feet up on a rock. You've had a situation that just knocked the footing from beneath you. And you looked to regain that perspective, to recalibrate, to regain footing. Notice, David's home life hasn't changed. The needs of the kingdom are still amazing. Yet the special presence of God is giving him peace. It's giving him protection. And it's giving him a fresh perspective and footing in the midst of it all. That's the result. Of the special presence of God. How many of you would say. We need that. That's what. We need. How. My grandmother. On my dad's side. Just an amazing woman of God. And I spent a lot of time. As a little boy. At her house. I would get dropped off real early in the morning. And. I'd still be half asleep, and when I got into her house, I would go back to sleep. And it was very common to wake up to my grandmother having church in that little house. She would be doing her day, walking through that house, praising the Lord. She would repeat the name of Jesus. I I can hear it as clear in my own heart and mind as I'm talking to you. Jesus, Jesus, I praise you, Jesus. I thank you. For your presence, Jesus. She would be having this worship service in her own home, in her own life. There wasn't music playing. She was just going after God, seeking the Lord. Remember one day she came around the corner to the den where I was. And uh, she was having church. And she looked at me and she said, I am under the spout where the glory comes out. Now, I had heard that. Being raised in church. But that day I said to my grandmother. I said what what does that mean? She said well. First of all let me tell you. You can't turn the glory on. You don't control. When God chooses. To show up in special presence. Your responsibility. Is to just get under. The spout. To position yourself. Under the faucet. And with that she said come with me. And we go outside, we go to the faucet coming out of the side of the house. She said, get on your knees. I got on my knees to stick your head under here. And so she said, that's your job in worship. Get under the faucet. Then she played God and she turned on the faucet. She said, boy, you would not get wet. You wouldn't get the blessing of what's coming out unless you had placed yourself beneath the faucet. And she, this is the way I was raised. And then she takes me down this little gravel road. Kelly's been there. Takes me to the main road in front of her house. The only way to get to her house was to drive that road. And the name of that road was Fawcett Road. She said, I live on Fawcett Road. I live here. 
And she said, what I'm trying to say to you is you live in such a way to place yourself in a position to receive the special presence. She says, I don't control God. I don't back God in a corner and dictate what he should do. I just have a heart to seek him and it places me under the faucet so that when he pours out, I receive. And this morning, I am under the spout where the glory comes out. That's what I'm saying. Now, I remember that time, and nothing about her circumstances had changed. She had just been endued with fresh joy and power from the special presence of God. That's what's happening with David. That's how he could say he conceals me, protects me, gives me peace, because he's experiencing the special presence. What was the strategy Come beneath that outpouring. What is the strategy to get into position so that we're poised to receive the special presence? Here is the key of the psalm. It's worship. David said, here's the one thing that I'm going to do. I am going to seek after God. David said to come before the Lord with singing. David said, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. David is the one who says, I enter his gates with thanksgiving and I enter his courts, that's presence, with praise. David had seen firsthand what happened to the demonic forces that were tormenting King Saul when David himself would start to worship. David's worship was too much for the demons tormenting King Saul. There's something powerful, not about worship. Worship is just positioning. Worship puts you in a position to receive the outpouring of that fresh, special presence that's so specific, that is so personal, that you would feel like an entire service was orchestrated by the Lord just for you, because you've come beneath the weight of his glory, you're experiencing the Lord in his temple. Who I want that. I need that. I pray for the special presence of God like a thick blanket to just envelop every one of us. That surrounding, abiding presence. Let me give you this thought. We have to move the energy of worry to worship. See, when you have real life happening, as David did in Psalm 27, his energy is going somewhere. And we have an option to each day, and that is to either use that energy to worry or to worship. When David looked at the proportions of enemies against him, the way he would then see the greatness of God with him was because he applied that energy to worship. Move the energy of worry to worship. Be like David who said, I'm like that deer who, who pants after the water. That's how much I know that God's presence makes the difference and I, I long. Matter of fact, early he says, will I seek the Lord. He learned the value, the blessing of the special presence of God. Now, as he worshipped, 
there were additional results. As he worshipped, he said, it's the Lord who is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the one who is giving me confidence. He said, I'm confident in this, that I'm going to see the goodness of God. Now, I've told you about the kingdom and its issues, about his home and all of the issues. And he's saying, I'm confident of this. I will see the goodness of God. What is shaping that perspective? The presence of God. How did he receive the presence? He said, I'm going to worship. I will take the energy that I could use to worry, and I will seek the Lord. Look at the three verbs of this verse, verse 4. They are dwell, gaze, and seek. Dwell, it means I position myself. I am going to get in the place where if God so chooses, he can deposit a blessing that's personal and helpful to me. He says, I gaze. That is a word about the focus of our attention because there's a direct correlation between our attention and the focus of our attention and the anxiety of our lives. And David says, I'm going to gaze. I'm going to fix my attention on you, Lord. And he says, I'm going to seek. The word seek means I'm going after the counsel of God. It means I want to be shaped by the ways of God. I want my path to be directed by the wisdom of God. So in worship, he's positioning himself to dwell in that place so that he may fix his focus on God. And as he fixes his focus, it shapes a perspective so that he can hear the voice of God and respond in the wisdom that the Lord gives him. That's how he walks to the valley of Elah and all of Israel is so scared they won't even go out and confront Goliath. And David says, the same God who gave me the lion and the bear will give me this giant. How does he say that? His gaze has been God, not Goliath. His gaze has been on the power of God. He, is, he has sensed the presence of the Lord in his own life. And God is bigger to him than the giant. God is bigger to him. See, here's the deal. Some, some, uh, you may have gotten some negative news. Somebody may have, may have uh, crunched the numbers and given you some poor percentages of the outlook. But I want to tell you, uh, God made numbers. Uh, anybody who gives you some kind of perspective about that, they are just speaking in part. God knows everything. See, see, God is the one. Yes, Israel was saying, look at how tall Goliath is. I mean, look at his shield. David walks up to the God who made Goliath, who made heaven and earth. And he says, the Lord, he will give me the victory because the battle is the Lord's. That's the perspective you get when you come fresh from the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's the shaping influence of God's presence. And that's what I want for us. How? How do we position ourselves to receive the special presence? It's worship. And worship is about positioning. It's about our heart. It's about waiting. The last verse of the psalm says, wait on the Lord. It says you're going to need courage. And the way you get it, again I say, wait. Two times in the last verse it says wait, and that the word wait is get in the position of worship 
so that you are waiting to receive that endowment, that special presence that allows you to live in peace, that allows you to live in soul prosperity. Henry Nowen is a fabulous influence on church history. He talked about worship and he used the concept and illustration of trapeze artists. He said you have the flyer and you have the catcher. And he says when the flyer is moving through the air and releases the handle, the flyer's responsibility is to get in the position to be caught. The flyer was never to reach for the catcher, to try and grab the catcher. The flyer's only role was to get into the position to be caught. If the flyer tried to reach and grab, it dysfunctioned, would mess it up, and often the flyer would fall, and so they developed acrobatic ways so people would be entertained even while someone's falling. But if the flyer would just get in position, then the catcher could come and grip the flyer and move that person to a solid foundation. Henry Nowen says, worship is assuming the position to be gripped. If you try to make it happen, it won't work. If you try to force it, see, you and I don't control the faucet. We just get in position. It is his job to move to where we are and to grip us with fresh grace and power. To lay his hand freshly upon us. To then move us to where he wants us to be. To where once again we feel that beneath us is like rock. That is how we position ourselves to receive the special presence of God. I just simply say, Lord, I'm lifting up my hands of faith in worship, in the face of my challenges. And I'm going to say that you are my light and my salvation. Though enemies rise up against me, Lord, I will be confident in this. That I will see the goodness of the Lord. I wait before you because you are my shelter. You are the rock. You are the protector. See, I am worshiping him. And in that position of worship, I sense that the special presence of the Lord has come. And it's as real. It's as empowering as anything you will ever experience. And I pray that for you. David with chaos in his home and emotions attached to that situation deeper than anything we could imagine. Walking into another responsibility of directing the military, directing the nation. Rather than run to a group of advisors, rather than to look in the Bible language of the left or the right, David said, I'm going to seek the Lord. To say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And the special presence of God would come 
he could face anything. Now this psalm has now moved us to the action step, the challenge. That is, you, you see what it's about, some of the context, some of the application. But to not now take the action would be to miss the centerpiece of the psalm is worship. To dwell, gaze, and see. To dwell in the secret place of the Most High God under that shadow of the Almighty. You begin to experience Him. And He will reveal Himself so personally and so specifically that there's no way you could ever deny that it's God. You may not know Jesus as your personal Savior. Today, you could open your heart to a shepherd, a leader, a Savior, one who will give wisdom and help you. And I challenge you, open your heart to Jesus. Be saved today. If your heart is cold toward Him and you're distant from God, today's the day to return. If like David, you, you, you woke up today with a heart for Him, but you have very real challenges, I mean... It's tough to take action with what we've learned from David and worship. Worship. A lawyer that lived in the late 1800s, he and his wife had five children, one son and four daughters. His son, as a little boy, contracted a disease and died. A few years later, he puts his wife and little girls on a ship to go to London He's going to come just a few days later. They're going to have this trip. The ship that his wife and daughters were on collided with another ship. 200 plus people died as a result of the accident. Among those were his four daughters. His wife gets to London, wires back, and is just as only, only God knows what a mom's going through at a time like that. And this father gets on the next ship to go. To, to meet with his wife and just to try and figure out how to put one foot in front of the other. The captain of the ship goes to that man, Horatio Spafford, and says, we're getting very near where the accident happened, in case you want to know. Horatio Spafford walked out on the deck of that ship right in the face of where the accident happened, and he took his hands and he lifted them to God. He said, God, I don't understand. I, the, the props have been knocked out from under me, but I'm going to make a choice to worship you. And as he worshiped, the Holy Spirit came in a special presence, spoke these words to his heart and says, when peace like a river attends my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you, Lord, have taught me to say, it is well with my soul. How does a guy write that in that kind of deep, tough situation? By the special presence of God. He just assumed the position. God caught him. God captured him with, with a manifestation of his character and revealed to him something that could match even the grief he was going through. Somebody needs to get in the position of worship today. Somebody needs to take a step of faith as hard as it is and say, I'm going to seek you, Lord. It is the key. If you say, I need that, then what I'm going to do is ask this team to sing the very song written right out of this song. It's going to take the major truths of the song 
and it puts it right into a song of worship. We sang it last week. And I want you, if you really want to experience the special presence, you say, I want to come under the potential of God's glory ministering to me. As they sing it, I want you to come. You can stand, you can kneel, but I feel we need to respond and come under. We need to make a response. So I'm just going to ask you to come into this area and put your hands up in worship and say, Lord, I can't control the special presence. I just can get in the position that I might receive. And Lord, if I've ever needed you, I need you now. If that's your desire, if that's your heart, as they sing, meet me at the altar today. Yeah. 